Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs, I'm George Thomas, and we are talking brain injury today. We're actually going to have a two-part series on that, and we're going to begin with guest John Robichaud and his wife, Pamela Robichaud. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Pamela, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, George. Nice to see you again. Very good to see you. Pamela, Kind of tell us what you do, please. How do you specialize in treating brain injuries? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I am a physical therapist. I have my doctorate of physical therapy degree. And um, I, you don't really specialize in physical therapy, but you can through your experience. And um, a lot of my focus in school was on neurological recovery. Um, and at this stage of the game, in an outpatient setting, I sort of see more of what we would call the walking wounded, people who maybe came in from an accident, car accident, um, or even stroke, which is more of your acquired brain injury. Um, and I help them with their physical recovery, which is one thing regarding balance and coordination. But I typically work closely with occupational therapists as we do central nervous system recovery as well as calming. And that, I think, is sort of the biggest part and the least tangible part of the recovery is understanding how your nervous system is responding to the injury and how to um, further sort of calm it down as you make uh, recovery. And then personally, also, my brother um, has a severe traumatic brain injury of 11 years ago. So I have a personal and professional effect on this world of brain injury. Now, Pamela, what exactly qualifies as a brain injury? Well, I got hit on the head. Uh, is there a, t- a period of time that you have to be knocked out? Uh, is there a difference in injuries depending on how long you're knocked out? What if somebody can't remember, yet they're interacting just fine with others, yet the person who got hit in the head can't remember any of it? How do you determine if it's a brain injury and then the severity of the brain injury? That's a really good question. I don't deal with acute brain injuries. I am not the person on the sideline of your football game or the person on the EMT squad that is doing um, screening. 
in sort of broad strokes, those people who would come to the scene oftentimes look at eye movement. Eye movement really tells us the story about how well your brain is bouncing back from a blow to the head, whether you hit the ground or something hit you. Um, if you think about your brain like a jello mold, and when a jello mold jiggles, it goes side to side. That's how your brain floats inside your skull, but unfortunately, well, for better, you have a skull, which means that jiggle is gonna hit side to side. So sometimes, um, depending on how hard that, that impact is, um, how hard you hit on one side versus another side can affect um, how much damage is done to the brain and how much swelling can occur. And acutely, you can see with somebody's eye movement if they're sort of intact or if they're not. You do not have to be knocked out to have a brain injury at you all. You don't? No. And the cumulative effect of the brain injuries, which is sort of the hot topic right now um, in sports and things, is um, a huge part of the story. So um, a lot of people that I work with did not lose consciousness, but they hit their head enough that um, their timing is off. They'll report more about their life that they just feel like they're uncoordinated or their balance is off or their vision is affected or something like that. And that sometimes alone can um, give us enough to say you have a, a brain injury. There yep. is more, there is more um, sort of concrete criteria to meet in the acute phase, but like I said, I'm not part of that. I'm part of the sort of subacute and chronic stages. Um, and I don't have criteria. I could tell you, I know it exists in the research, but from a professional standpoint, I sort of listen to someone's story. And then I look at their coordination, timing, strength, fatigue, and, and reflexes and things like that. And John, you're a very active guy, pretty much active in sports all your life, correct? Yes, that's true. And uh, what sports drew your interest? Uh, growing up, it was pretty much any team sport, um, track and field, soccer, basketball, football, baseball, swimming, which is semi-team oriented. Uh, and then as I continued to get older and went to college, I played collegiate soccer on a scholarship and sort of as a goalie in soccer, that's where I sustained actually a handful of concussions. I was going to say, I, you know, I mean, of course the major talk is in football, but I would think soccer head injuries are really prevalent. I think they are, uh, especially, you know, given the amount of force that you know, two athletes going for a ball simultaneously in the air, and they, they, they knock heads with no protection. Uh, myself, freshman year in college, my biggest concussion was sustained while in a game the second week of the season, someone kicked me in the head uh, by mistake. I mean, it was just a fair play, and I went for a ball as a goalie, and I literally got a boot to the head, and it knocked me out, and I was done for the season. For the season? Yeah. And who made that determination? Was that you, or was there a team physician that said, John, you're out? It was the combination of myself, but mainly the like the sports, uh, just the team as a whole, I would say, between the coaches and then the sports therapists that were on site, the trainers. Now, you said the worst concussion you got was then, I don't believe you because you had a really bad concussion lately in a sport that you don't really think about having head injuries with, which is cycling. Yeah. I mean, I guess you do because helmets are mandatory in racing, but... True. Um, no, that's true. I think I, I would say the one in college was the worst due to the fact that I think I was out the longest. The one for the bike accident 
which occurred in 2013 coming down Boulder Canyon where Pamela was behind me. I don't remember being out that long, but I think it was just the cumulative blows and then the impact at which I did hit the car and then the concrete. I mean, my helmet was in four pieces. So I can attest that the helmet is why I'm here, um, but it definitely took me quite a while to recover from that, and I'm still doing it. Now, Pamela, I'd want to talk some about the cumulative injuries, but John said hitting the car and hitting the pavement, two blows to the head? Potentially. Um, I mean, I didn't physically see him, but yeah, if you think about physics, his body hits a car, his moving body hits a moving car. So he's got a whiplash. So whiplash can lead to brain injury alone without even actually hitting something. If the whip is big enough, and again, depending on what somebody's wiring is like at baseline, whether they've had previous injuries or things like that. And we can talk about more about wiring in a minute. But um, so yeah, there's the potential, although that's not the one we think about as much with John. It was more the hitting the ground. Um, and you know, if he was out, it was a split second because there were people, I was maybe three to five seconds behind, you know, maybe 10 seconds until I got my face to his face. Um, so he was certainly with it that whole time. He never lost consciousness. If he was out, it was a split second. And we don't know if he was out, out, or if his body is choosing to take a break for that second that he actually hit the ground. And we'll never know. We don't know. So, but the imp it, regardless, even if he didn't lose a consciousness, that impact on the ground was um, very significant. So kind of deviating from the topic, but what was that like to come to and have your wife right there over you. And what was that like for you, Pamela, to come up and, I mean, did you see the accident or did you come up when John was on the ground? I, uh, I didn't see him. We were coming down the curves of Boulder Canyon. So he got ahead of me. And I mean, when you think about why things happen, there was definitely no need for me to physically see him get hit. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, and we came around the corner and he was he was face down with a crowd around him and I just remember yelling, oh my God, that's my husband and threw my bike over and ran over and yelled with a few explicit expletives that somebody should go drive down the canyon and call 911 because people just kept telling me that their phones didn't work and I didn't care, <laughs> just drive. But anyway, I, as soon as I saw it, John, was, John I asked him to wiggle his toes and talk to me and he could and the clinician took over for a while before the wife kicked in and um, like I knew he was gonna, I knew he was okay in that acute, cute stage, but slightly more terrifying from his perspective at that moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I came around the bend and I saw the car pull out of the parking lot and he didn't see me and I was kind of thought to myself, this is gonna hurt. And I was doing the speed limit down Boulder Canyon around 30 miles an hour and I essentially hit a brick wall and then I went up and over the minivan and hit the pavement. And that's kind of, I just remember the first impact of the hood. I don't remember anything else after that, except for Pamela yelling, that's my husband. And I instinctively, knowing the history in our family with her brother, I made noises so that she knew. <laughs> you were that with it? Within reason. Like I had an idea because I could recognize her voice. Um, after that, I was not 100% with it. Yeah, I gave him uh, two words to remember. Um, I don't know if you remember them now. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? Because this is one of those. Again, I'm not like an, I'm not an EMT. I'm not an acute, you know, right on the. But I told him to remember red ball, 
because the idea being that like through a trauma like that if someone can keep remembering a thing then that's very helpful so um he kept telling me red ball red ball and then for a little while he forgot and i was like uh oh and then as soon as we got in the ambulance he's like he yells red ball from the back and i was like okay we're gonna be all right so um but yeah I don't, I don't remember that he you don't no yeah and how is your memory now i mean this brain injury has really affected your life. No, it has. I think, I mean, for good and for worse, I have Pamela to help guide me through it and bring things to my attention versus me just ignoring them. Uh, and I, in a joking manner, I think in part two, you'll have a good friend of ours, Timmy Duggan, and he and I and both of our wives joke that they have to leave post-it notes for us to do certain things. Um, and so in that regard, my memory is sort of not as sharp as it used to be. And growing up, I used to be like, hey, I'm the elephant in the room. I can remember anything and everything. And now I'll struggle with someone's name that I may have met, you know, five times. And they're more of an acquaintance and not a friend. So it'll take a while to jog that memory of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, or if I'm doing a chore in the house and I walk into a room, I forget why I walked in the room sometimes. Uh, and Pamela is really good with focus because I'll start telling her a story or some occurrence that happened and then I'll literally pause because I get distracted by something either on TV, on the radio, or something flying in the back window. And then she's like, over here, finish that story in that sentence. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah right, sorry. Um, so th there's more of that. It's not on a daily basis, I would say, but it's definitely – you know, consistent in our in my life now. Now, Pamela, what John has described, you often hear, and please don't take offense, but, ah, oh, you know, I'm just getting older. I'm just, how do we attribute things like this to head injuries? Well, I mean, we're not the youngest kids, but we're only 38. <laughs> so um, the biggest thing for John is that it was an a very obvious change post-accident. He is somebody, and with his permission, we're allowed to talk about this. Um, so at baseline, John has pretty significant dyslexia. So that's just who he is. He's a grown-up. He's very successful. He's very capable of, of um, coping with it. You would never know. But when you take somebody that already has a little bit of um, sort of interesting wiring, a little bit uh, crisscross, we should say, um, and you add any sort of an impact, uh, a head injury or anything like that, their likelihood to decompensate, meaning all the strategies that they had learned, happens more quickly. So I know that John has this dyslexia. I can sort of watch him type things or when, you know, working and I'm like, oh, we're going to, we're going to cross and then we're going to uncross. Oh, but you did it. You came out with a good thought or sentence or whatever. Um, his ability to sort of self-correct with either writing or thought processes or would, or thought processes um, has not been as strong since his head injury, um, and the memory is a is the short-term memory is more difficult for him now. His divided attention um, is really difficult, meaning. You know, you're looking at your phone and you're having a conversation or you're having a conversation and literally something, I mean, we joke about the, the shiny thing in the room distracting you, but that, I mean, that's him. That was him at baseline anyway. And now it's just like he is not able to cope with distraction as well. 
And what have you noticed most since the head injury, John? I've definitely noticed the short attention span, but then also a lot of my eye movements were off. So as Pamela mentioned earlier, one of the first things that you look for is eye movement. And my reaction to certain things was a lot slower. So I actually went to physical therapy for my eyes and to like sort of retrain them and make them stronger. So I had exercises to do at home, be it, you know, walk in certain motions while keeping my head pinpointed or in the direction of a object on a wall. And I also realized that I needed glasses now. And that goes back to your thought of, well, we're just getting older, so we forget more. But I had 20-20 vision up until that point, and my eyes would get super, super fatigued pretty much within an hour of looking at a computer before we could go for eight hours. Not that it's ideal for anybody. We know that. Um, But I couldn't go for more than an hour or so, and then my eyes would get bloodshot, and I would get really tired, and they get really, really heavy. And also when driving at night, bright lights are really irritating to me now. So I have prescription glasses to decrease the glare from oncoming traffic so I can drive at night and it's not a deterrent from, you know, going long hauls. The other thing I really noticed too was um, he, John fatigues in general more, not physically. I mean, you go ride your bike for three days straight, not that kind of fatigue. Um, he sort of, this, I think this is a little bit more to that decompensation. Um, he reaches his sort of emotional ceiling a little quicker. So um, it can be because he's been spending too much time at the computer, eyes are bloodshot, things like that. Um, and then if something sort of stressful or unfavorable comes up, he's a little quicker. He's not mean or angry. He's just a little quicker to um, hit his limit, I guess, more than, more than he was before, for sure. And the reason I brought up aging is not to suggest you were getting older, but really, uh, how many people blame something that might be able to be treated just on, eh, you know, I'm just getting a little older. So to that point, um, my mother, um, who is 68, and she started riding her bike when she was 60, and she's... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Rides like 75 mile days. She's awesome. Um, 
Growing up, she had several concussions from lots of car accidents. That's a whole other story, whatever. Um, broken her nose nine times, but think about breaking your nose, how many times you hit your head. I'm not saying she had nine concussions, but she certainly had concussions. She also has learning disabilities that did not get diagnosed until um, probably in her 40s or 50s. When she was 65, she, I don't know how, but she fell so hard off of her bike on a bike path, had a helmet, she was out. And her issue, she is the definition of somebody that needs this sort of cognitive rehab and didn't get it. She has, we have Alzheimer's on her side of the family. She's terrified of it. And she's convinced that these memory issues that she has is early onset. And so she plays bridge and she does all these games and that's all well and good, but she's the definition of someone that she thinks I'm 68, I'm just getting older maybe, this Alzheimer's thing. And I look at her so clinically and say, you've got post-concussive syndrome. You've got multiple cumulative effects of concussions, your last of which was at 65. So she's a great, and I, and I guess you need a clinician, you need somebody with, a, with an awareness, I think, to try to help you understand that these aren't within the norms of an aging body. So, John, how did your life change? I mean, you were just saying you used to look at a computer for up to eight hours a day, which I agree doesn't sound wonderful. But, no. I mean, if that's part of your job and suddenly you can't do that, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I've never had the conventional job, like I said, like eight hours at a desk. But, you know, as a founding partner at Scratch and in charge of the events and the marketing I was either at my desk planning or I was on the road. And when I was on the road... And there you go, driving. You were saying yeah. driving is a lot more tiring, the bright lights. Exactly. Uh, so making long trips from, example, Boulder to Sea Otter in California, it's a two-day drive. And you would drive through the night, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. So it was almost like a three-day drive for me now. And then my attention span for being... I guess calm and cool and collected was also diminished. So I seem to get irritated by things a lot more quickly. And then the other aspect of concussions is depression. And for me, I had some pretty intense bouts of not wanting to come to work and or like go and be active outside. It was just, I was in a funk and I couldn't figure it out why um, because everything seemed to be going right. You know, I had a great wife and we had a dog and well, we still have a dog. But uh, no, I mean, like we lived in Boulder and we go for bike rides and you have tons of friends. But I would just had this cloud over me now. So I think part of it was kind of just feeling blue all the time. And I didn't know why. And did you notice a difference in the way your peers, coworkers, friends treated you? Were they understanding? I mean, you're married to someone who deals with this quite a bit. And you're mm -hmm. very lucky in that department but you know you're a really outgoing guy and a change like that could really affect some relationships yeah i think i mean luckily through thick and thin and mm -hmm. through you know everything else that you say in your vows pamela was there for me and she helped educate me and she helped me essentially recognize and admit to the fact that yeah i was depressed um and it's okay to be like you know what it's it's a real thing that people kind of shy away from sometimes to be like, Oh, you're depressed. You don't have to be depressed. And, but the reality is because of my 
weird wiring, supposedly, <laughs> for dyslexia, which is then predisposed to having or depression easier, mm-hmm. and then getting a couple knocks to the head, it essentially readjusted my wiring to make it as I was depressed. Uh, and to your point or to your question about you know, the interaction with friends, I think I still had really good interactions with friends, but I was also more apt to want to leave a group setting a lot earlier. And part of it was just the overwhelming sounds and sights. So that's kind of the fatigue that Pamela Mm -hmm. was talking about, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I would get down about that because I want to hang out and have fun or go to, you know, do sea otter and work 16-hour days, but I would be exhausted after the first four hours because mentally it's sort of like giving a pet dog a treat toy to let their brain fried. So instead of having them go run, they just get mentally tired after 20 minutes. And that's how I felt. It was like, I felt like I was in a large pet treat toy trying to figure out how to sustain this. Um, and luckily like friends here at Scratch and, you know, Alan and Ian who I confided in and like look at as mentors for me, we would talk about it. And I was like, Al, I just, there's, I'm new. Essentially it's a new me and I don't like it. Not in a bad way, but I just needed to step back and hit control, delete and reset myself. And how have you done that? Your life is about to change significantly again. It is. Um, and a lot of it's just due to the support of family and friends. And so because of thinking about life and when you get hit by a car or you go through a traumatic experience and uh, taking a step back from scratch and something that we've helped build and we believe in, we also realize that you know you have to take care of yourself. And to do that, part of it's traveling, which is what we both really want to do in life. So we've taken this opportunity being young enough to still ride our bikes and not at a retirement age of AARP recipients. <laughs> But uh, I have my card. Yeah, well, my, my parents have theirs too. So hey, my mom rides her bike. <laughs> that's true. Yes, and she's actually ridden in more countries than we have. Yeah. Um, so Pamela and I have decided to sort of forego the norm and travel the U.S. for a year in a sprinter van that we built out into a camper van. And we're going to take some specialized diverge bikes and kind of just go ride the open roads, you know, for better or worse, known or unknown. And kind of create some memories that hopefully I'll remember. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll help you. That's what pictures are for. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, yeah, I think it's sort of even though friends have noticed the change in me, they also understand what is going to help hopefully heal me quicker or just bring me back to normal. So they've supported this choice of adventurous lifestyle for us right now. I think one clinical piece to this that we haven't mentioned, but with John's permission, I'm allowed to, is you did do talk therapy when we realized you were depressed. You went to go see a therapist. We call it mental massage. Mental massage. Um, And everyone could use that. But then he also started on medication, um, which has helped tremendously. And our friends that have seen a more lightness in John in the last year, I think it's a big part of um, the medication because the blues were getting pretty significant. Now, I don't want to get way off track, but you mentioned eye therapy, and I know there's a, what's the treatment where you're moving an object, following it with your eyes? Well, there's there's EMDR. That's it. Yeah, I mo- and that's a, and 
It's funny because I it, was. Is this same thing or no? No. Okay. Um, he went to actually to occupational therapy, which is more sort of cognitive behavioral therapy um, for the eye movement things. Some occupational therapists specialize in visual um, behavioral visual rehabilitation, for lack of a better word. Um, so that's what he went to. EMDR is eye movement. Um, I'm going to forget the words. And that's something to be done more as a post-traumatic event, a PTSD. Oh, it is. Okay. Which he for sure had. But at the time, it was more about the physical connection of eye-neck-head eye, eye, reflexes than it was about calming down his traumatic event. Um, so, yeah, that's, what, that's more what it was. Mm -hmm. But his medication helped a lot with the, um, with the depression. And, and you know, as, as our life change is about to happen, going to live in the van, that's exciting. But sometimes our bodies also don't really know, is that good excitement? Are we worried excitement? And so... We've been really open with each other about like, well, we've been in limbo for a little while. How's that going? You know, and and all the challenges that are going to come up on the road too. So, the depression is um, the part that scares me the most, and I think not enough people recognize it. It's really common about a year after a head injury for depression to kick in. Um, more so, these concussion folks rather than your like big head injuries, because we know they're going to have depression because loss of function and physical impairment. Um, and so that was the sort of thing, I don't know, I think it's great that we're together, but I think sometimes John would like me to turn off my clinical brain a little bit and just relax about it. Um, so. And you will, you'll be a bus driver for a year. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> short, a short bus driver. Right, exactly. So. Um, oh, even better. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think it was, I think it's, I think that's the sort of stuff that people don't talk about is recognizing that that stuff really early on and you don't just have to fight through it and you should get help and it's not his fault that he got hit and it's not his fault that the chemistry in his brain in his body is a little out of whack and that's all it is so john were you the one did you actually take the sprinter and convert it yourself i did i had a friend of mine that's a carpenter in madison wisconsin offer to you know use his bay and his materials and his expertise and his other staff to help us build out our van so of course, all great ideas happen in a bar, and he was in Boulder visiting, and we were at a bar, and I mentioned this idea, and he was like, bring it to Madison. So we acquired our van in May of this 2015, and I drove up there the first week of June, and within seven days, we have a camper sprinter van that also is a passenger van when needed. It's like a transformer. That moment of silence was purposeful. I'm trying to <laughs> picture the Sprinter van turning into this super villain or whatever <laughs> with exactly. bikes on it. Yes. So tell us about your trip because we're actually going to follow you throughout the year uh, as you're traveling around the country. What are some of the events you want to hit? So, I mean, there's not a ton of events in the sense of working. For us, we're going to go to Sea Otter, see some friends that – we've known in the industry for years and those that have supported us in our decision to kind of pick up and go. So it'll be fun to be down there for essentially a week leading up to the event and then the event itself. We're going to miss tour California. Uh, we would love to go and see some, you know, cyclists, racers and friends and other folks in the industry. But the timing of it is the week after a really fun event that we love in Northern California called tour the unknown coast. It's in Humboldt County, and we wrote it last year, so we're going to go back and we're going to participate again. It's the most pristine, amazing 100-mile bike ride you could ever do on 
some of the worst roads conditions. I was going to say I've heard it's pretty brutal. At least one of the climbs. Well, the climbs aren't. I mean, it wasn't hard. It was. Yeah, it was. It was a fun challenge, but you weren't going to fall over. Some people walked. It's a twenty-two percent grade for over a quarter mile, but the roads are so potholed and rutted out that I feel like you had shaken baby syndrome, which isn't good for someone with a concussion. So you just have to be really cautious and not to go down a hill at like 30 miles an hour when there's a eight foot pothole in front of you. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah. So, so so you're driving out to California, but then you're going all the way across. You're going to be on the East Coast as well? We are. Uh, and then the other flag in the ground really for me is Alaska. So we're going to take the ferry. Oh, you're going up? Yeah, we're going to take a ferry from Washington State to Haines, Alaska, and then drive up to Anchorage and Fairbanks and part of Denali. And we have some close friends that grew up there, so they've given us some insider info as to where to go and avoid some of the tourist traps and get some amazing you know local knowledge of the area but it's the only state i've never been to in all 50 so for us to kind of do it as a fun road trip will be really spectacular and taking a ferry for three days in order to get there will be entertaining uh, but then we're going to head east and we'll be out and seeing family and friends in new england uh, cape cod i think we're trying to coordinate a ride with our friend ted king in upstate vermont with some other friends for you know a couple days which will be fun and then make our way south as the weather changes and the leaves fall. So, what what's that going to be like at the end after this year long adventure and you come back to Boulder, or will you come back to Boulder? That's the plan. I mean, we still have a house here. Um, we're renting it. If anyone yeah. wants to rent a house, it's available. Uh, by the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, we, we joke about a tiny house because getting one of those would feel like a mansion after 72 square feet. Um, but we, you know, our, I mean, right now, we always say, sure, yeah, we're coming back. We have no problems with this place. Like, this dream was, came out of a rough 18 months that we got through, including John's accident. And maybe at some point we were looking for something, whatever. We're good in that department. Now we're just like, yeah, let's embrace this for what it is. And maybe it'll be a two-year trip. Maybe after six months we'll go. Yeah, that was fun. Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's be done. I have we have no idea. We're really open to whatever it's going to bring. We've got a little exercise I put together about writing down like our goals together and separately, the struggles we anticipate. Not that you ever can, um, you know. Hey, what's the one thing that really annoys you about so and so that you want them to keep an eye on and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah. But it's. I mean, it's going to be hard to leave. This is our. I mean. We've got our family family in New England, but you know the Boulder family is something special that it is gonna be hard. And I've told all my friends, I still want you to text me. We're not out of touch. Please be part of our lives. And I'm not even gonna say in conclusion because this is really the introduction. You guys are leaving in two weeks? Like 10 days maybe? 10 days. Ish. Today? Yeah, 10 or 11 days. First destination? Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, friend of ours. Uh, has a restaurant down there. We haven't seen him in over a year, and he's excited to see us, and he's offered to put us up for a couple of days, and then we'll make our way towards California. Pamela's never been in the Grand Canyon, so cross that off, cross that off her list. So brain injury has been life-changing, but you're seeing some positives in it. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. I, I was depressed when I made the decision to, to step away from scratch, but at the same time, 
I knew it was about me first. And as much as I believe in bleeding pixels until the day I die, I want to make sure that I can also die with a smile on my face. And that's going to help. And I think this trip will be essentially what the doctor ordered. So at least Dr. Pamela Robbins Robichaud would really <laughs> like to order up, and she did. So. And we're bringing John's therapy dog with us, our little boxer Penny. Mm -hmm. She is just, she loves her dad a lot. The two of them are really something special. So she's coming with us every step. Mm -hmm. John and Pamela Robichaud, I wish you all the best. Look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you. Thank you. From the over-the-top studio at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.